Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Sano, joined, as always, by the O-Man to my Andy. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing well. And our very own Gary, the king himself. It's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? Gary, I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's playoffs, baby. Here we go. Yeah, it's it's the I, I mean, at least it seems like Jordan Love thought it was playoffs, right? Woof. <laughs> All right, we got let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do this. Let's get it right out of the way. So Cigargate was the story that took Seahawks Twitter and uh, the beat writers by storm. The opinions have been divided. They've been all over the place. Um, I think it, you can listen to a lot of different perspectives on this. Man to man talked about it quite a bit. Uh, KJ Wright talked about it a ton on his podcast. I think every Seahawks media member needs to talk about Cigargate. John Ryan was literally shaking. He was so angry. Uh, Quandre and Bobby both said that's young guys that, uh, you know, but some people have higher expectations than just finishing the season. So what did KJ say real quick? What did KJ say? KJ said that the, the, that this would not have happened when those guys were there, that they had, um, they were an older group that, you know, had more maturity and the expectations were higher basically. And he blamed the players, not Pete, which is pretty common with PJ, KJ's uh, analysis of the season in general is that he's like, these these kids, and he kind of like shakes his hand at the cloud. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's, am I the one who's out of touch? No, it's the kids who are wrong. Not saying that I just disagree wholesale with KJ on this particular thing. But KJ thing, sounds like he's cosplaying but, as Dabo Swinney. But KJ is, <laughs> is kind of done a thing this season, and he's kind of, you know, baiting but also just always backing pete okay so let's start with eric eric as a resident boomer sorry how dare you no you don't you don't even you don't even use my 40s come on come on that was the that was the devin bush commemorative cheap shot to open the podcast i see how that hey hey since we're here uh, the term drippy. Let's talk about that in the Is it good? Is it bad? All right. Sorry. Can, can, how can, how do we age, use the word slay? How do we, can we say slay? slay. Um, <laughs> can I say Yas Queen? <laughs> Eric, do you, do a, how'd you, feel, how'd you, how'd you feel about the cigars? Okay. Cigar Gate was like, my immediate reaction was like, what are you clowns doing? And then my friend, Nathan Santo pointed out that it was uh, about, a uh, celebrating a, a newborn, a, a young child brought into this world for one of the, the members of the, uh, the secondary, which I, I think is great. However, uh, my reaction is more or less like still kind of stays the same. Like I'm not really mad about it, but I do shake my head because I think there's a time and a place for that. And maybe after you land the plane, uh, once you get back home, once you have time to reflect, but immediately going to that after, I mean, honestly, ending your season, having your season ended by someone else, which means, hey, guys, you didn't make the playoffs. And it just kind of felt like a weird celebration at a weird time or a good celebration at a completely off time. So so something that's kind of floating around, too, is that like the baby thing came up after that they had that some people are saying that they'd brought them because they, they figured, you know, we'll win and make the playoffs. We can smoke them or whatever. And then they're like, well, we have them anyway. Let's find an excuse to do it, <laughs> which is which um, I think is possible. Um, I, I will say this. Sure. <laughs> NFL season is grueling. I understand celebrating just kind of finishing the season. Like Eric said, I come kind of agree with that take in general, though, like the optics of it are horrible. You guys yep. kind of 
peed down your leg to finish the season. You had no fight against the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, a team that came in and executed your game plan at your in your stadium better than you. Uh, it just felt like you know you didn't have a lot to be celebrating. So maybe let's just like pump the brakes on uh, having a big overt celebration. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I think that kind of covers it. It's a situation where I understand why some people are upset, but the level to which they're upset upset is. It feels like a lot, but I would say for as much as for the players, it's a long season. You could celebrate finishing a long season, you know, for the people watching the team in a very different way. It's been a very long season and a very frustrating one. And so it's go like you have to be aware that that type of thing is going to elicit this kind of reaction. And that's the optics piece. Like people are frustrated. It's uh, like and the other thing is, and this was brought up on man to man the locker room was divided about this. Like some people were like, like, uh, well, I think it was, uh, when you hear Bobby, uh, when you hear Bobby straight up, straight up say like, I didn't, I did not, I do not like that. Like I'm not into that. Like, that's like, okay, well there's your veteran leader saying we shouldn't be doing this. So, well, it's like how often like, that's a, that's a weird situation where you're lighting up victory cigars and not everyone's in like, that's like, at a certain point you look like the person who's going shots, shots, shots. And it's only like three of you in the whole bar. It's like there's 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 a spot where you're like, man, you should you should recognize this might not be the time and place for this, my friend. You know, I guess I'm not I'm going to give like some people a pass like uh, our Puntzilla himself. Like this is a guy who really has no reason to be rooting for the Seahawks anymore. And a guy who really carried us through a very dark time, a little tease towards the uh, dudes and movie club. But um, it's like he's it's kind of like someone who actually has a vested interest from that side as the guy who played and I don't know. I'm, I'm just, uh, I think a lot of people are seeing the season that was squandered. Um, it didn't come down to this one game, but this one game is, it's a, it's a great look at our season. It's a microcosm of like kind of where the team is at, where it's like, do we think Pete's message about competitive fire is really reaching these guys? And when you're lighting up victory cigars after a win, but the win that feels like a loss because they missed the playoffs, right? Is yeah. that really something we should be celebrating? Like, are we competing? I don't know. It's hard to say. We do have a really young team. Uh, even with guys like Gino and Bobby dragging the average age of our team way up, because those guys are pretty old for NFL players, we're still the fourth youngest team in the league. Maybe this is a learning. Maybe this is a learning for those guys about like, hey, you know what? How should we feel about about that and how should we you know uh, move forward with our with our you know with our team and and how we compete it's interesting it's an interesting thing i've said it's a lot there's been a lot of crossroads moments for this team this year and this could be another one where we see like where the team goes from here all right let's talk about specifically about this game i have one comment and then i'll let you guys say whatever you want uh you guys can just go crazy i'm not i have nothing else to say uh, they there should be a federal investigation into Matt Prater's betting habits, betting habits of all those who are related to him. I want to check his aunt's betting accounts. I want to check his uncles, his third cousin. I need to know his high school college roommate, his high school best friend. How did they gamble on this game? Because that guy uh, is very suspicious that he missed the two field goals the exact same way. Uh in the in this game that both would have won the game i am i'm looking at you matt prater the fbi is knocking on your door right now like that is 
thought was very suspicious. The ugliest game. Do you th- I have a question for you? If Pete doesn't know that the season is basically over, does he go for two right there? Uh, no, no, I don't think he does. <laughs> I think so. I don't too. think so either. I think that he only went for two because he was like, oh, the season's over anyway. Let's get aggressive. It's like it was like such a cool thing. So I was like, oh, maybe Pete. And then I thought about it. and I was like, oh, he's only doing this because it doesn't matter. Like, it's like it very, it's it's I like the only, this guy. I hate this guy. It's like the cheap <laughs> fake thing that Pete does. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to compete after it doesn't matter. It's it's the on field version of oh, we just ran out of runway. Uh, it totally, speaking of, speaking like, of, there was another quarter. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of cheap competing, that that fake field goal, uh, fake field goal play that the the Cardinals ran, Ugh. and Pete Pete apparently called a timeout, but it was too late. I said I wouldn't say much more about this game, but that was annoying. <laughs> I was very I was very irritated by that whole situation. That play is dumb. The whole the situation happening is dumb. The fact that they didn't give Pete the timeout is dumb. Like the whole thing, it was just stupid all across the board. His stupid son is our special teams coach. <laughs> Right? Isn't that right? It's, it's, I don't know. I didn't think he was. No. I don't know. Who's the Seahawks special teams coach? I'm, I'm looking it up. Uh, all right, guys, give me some notes about the game. Uh, Eric, you want to take this? You want me? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll go ahead and take it. I guess um, it comes down to me. We just talked about Cigargate, but Devin Bush getting yelled at by Bobby Wagner. Um, I don't. Well think deserved Devin... too. That was he was being stupid. And I don't think Devin Bush is like Mister, you know, future with this team. But again, I feel like it's a class, <laughs> class of cultures. They're starting to speak Canadian, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you get it. Uh, it's clash of cultures on this team. Like there's there's young and there's old, or veteran and young, veteran and rookies. But I also think there's like guys that just don't get it, and the old school. And unfortunately, the guys who don't get it outnumber the old school. We can go through all these plays, but ultimately, you lost your chance at the playoffs numerous times during the season. This game was a one point victory over a bad team, a four and 13 team by, by one point. Like a team this isn't a team too. that like, yeah, they've been looking better on offense, but their defense is horrible. Yes. Their sack leader has six sacks like they, and their second place guy has like three and a half. Also, this team cannot do it. <laughs> Like, we couldn't stop. Like, look at their receivers. These are stoppable receivers that we just uh, couldn't shut down. I actually address this for the game. They have a lot of, like, five foot ten guys who do, who kill it over the middle. That is, like, the Seahawks kryptonite. Like, yes, they were also Greg, getting a lot Greg, of help by not getting OPI calls against the about, uh, Greg what about, Dorch. Oh, actually, I will I will say that I Michael hate pitching about the referees, but the referees in this game were bothering me. Like, we got zero dragging the guy. Oh man, and we got we got zero penalties. Like they were just they just like were basically like, hey, these, this game does not matter. Let's not call any penalties. Like, we're not we're not calling, we're just trying to get home on time. Anything. We're not calling uh, anything. Just it's just overall frustrating. Like in this game, what do I want to say? I don't know. It, it felt like DK was off. Tyler Lockett's still amazing. Uh, JSN seemed lost in the offense. Not putting that on him. Putting that more on our offensive play calling. Uh, still didn't love our offensive play calling. Uh, still can't have any faith in the defense. Those are my notes on the game. Yeah, it's yeah. it's hard. The I have a hard time blaming the offense because the 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 line is so injured and so bad that I I mean it's a problem that started before the season. We should have invested more in depth, and you know maybe they thought Stone Forsyth was good enough depth that that it would be okay. But eighth round pick, man, That's- why not? 
but that means they still gambled on Phil Haynes being healthy at all, which that's, that's an unforgivable mistake. Like what on earth possessed you to think that Phil Haynes was going to have a mostly healthy season? Like what track record is that based on? What, give me the empirical evidence that told you that Phil Haynes wasn't going to be injured for at least half the season. I mean, like, who are our best defensive players? Like, they're guys that we're not paying anything. We have a very expensive defense, and the money is not performing. That's the that's the problem I have with the defense, is that the guys that are getting the big bucks are the guys that aren't doing anything. But, like, Witherspoon. Forget about Doran because he's just high-priced. 11, 11, 11 tackles, three tackles for loss. Great game, man. And then, like, Devin Bush. Devin Bush has just been great. Like, I love Devin Bush now. He's He's a good Seahawk. I mean, I know he's at the center of a uh, cigar gate, <laughs> but, but, uh, I think Devin Bush is a really, uh, like solid football player. I Julian love Julian love is a solid player. Like the, these guys that we didn't pay anything are doing better than the guys we're paying 10, 10, $15 million. Except Leonard Williams, who is Except- worth every cent. Oh, I mean, we're not even—he's not even expensive right now. He just cost us a high pick. Yeah, but still, he, like he, he played yes. up to a high. Like you talked a couple podcasts ago about how uh, the path might be letting Draymond go to have the money to bring in Leonard Williams, and the difference between those two players is Draymond Jones at this point in his career is a complementary piece that could be part of a good unit. Leonard Williams changes a unit. I'm not saying we necessarily are going to cut. Uh, no, we're but if that's the choice we're left with, I think that's not that hard of one. And then we're going to go over this in in depth. But the Seahawks only have forty two players under contract for next year. They have uh, effectively no cap space, so they 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 need to do s- stuff. There's something something needs to happen. Um, there's Gino gets e- cheaper because we didn't meet the incentives. But his cap number is still like thirty thirty million dollars or whatever. It's he's cheaper. But he just he just misses out on some longer term guarantees. He's still expensive just next year. He's just the I think the length of the contract now ages super well. Gino is Gino is is nice. Well, this like, game showed kind of Gino's floor. Like he didn't have a lot of time. He got it out in two point seven five seconds. Um, his pressure to sack ratio was zero point zero percent. They did not get him on the ground once, uh, despite like. Wonderful things like Jake Curhan managing a pressure in five snaps that he played. So this is uh, my like do you my new do you know football thing is if someone's like Gino's the problem, I'm just like, wow. I can completely disregard everything you say. You can say a lot of things are the problem with the offense, but if it's specifically Gino that you want to rag on, that guy is doing everything he can. <laughs> he gets the ball the out fast, mind. he's accurate, he finds open receivers. The Seahawks scored the 11th most points per drive in, in in the NFL this year. The problem was the defense was on the field for like 50 minutes a game. So when is Gino supposed to score? Yeah. Like he gets, part of he gets five drives football, a game. Which comes down to a lot of play calling, right? Yeah. Like we saw it in this game, some of the things that we like and some of the things we're frustrated with. Gino, I know he was only 16 for 28, but he was pretty efficient uh, in what they were trying to get him to do. Kind of getting the ball out, using the middle of the field. Uh, like he was daggers over the middle of the field, nine for 11 for 141 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he again did not take a sack on the play or didn't take a sack on the game, but we have K9 with 17 rushing attempts and Charbonnet with five. And I know Charbonnet is kind of dinged up now, but that is the kind of split in carries that we've been lamenting all year where it's like, why is Charbonnet not getting a little bit more play? And 
I think with the injury, he's doing a little worse in uh, pass pro, which is cutting into his reps. But it's still like it's been a year long problem. JSN had offensive line had four targets, three catches. Block Kevin. The offensive line cannot run block. That's the problem. The problem is that this offensive line gets no creates no space for for runner running backs, and that they they like Cross is a good pass protector. And I can't, I don't can't, I don't have a lot nice to we say. We know about when we drafted it's, him for his left tackle. It's all average. It's everything else is like average at best, and sometimes significantly worse than average. Like Anthony Bradford will have a play where I'm like, oh, that was a nice play, but then he'll have four where he just doesn't do anything, and it's like, okay, well, that's, that's totally where misses the blitzer. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, didn't he the one who threw the lookout up. block, or was it Phil Haynes that threw the lookout block against the Rams and got Geno murdered? That was Phil Haynes, I believe. Yeah, that was, okay. Uh, yes, the way we tried, the, where she tried to kill Gino. That was great, wonderful. Former XFL, uh, future XFL star Phil Haynes. Yeah, and um, I mean, we're we're I think we're moving towards parting ways with Jamal Jamal Adams. All, even though Pete was very complimentary towards Jamal, they asked him in the in the thing like, "Who's the first player you can think of that you want to compliment?" Or that had a great season, like Jamal Adams' attitude was so. It's like, come on, dude, shut up, man. Are you trying come to like on. retain some kind of trade value here? I don't understand. That what feels you're like a little bit of a kiss of death, though. It's kind of like uh, when the owner comes out and has like a statement of support for the head coach, which is basically just uh, like acknowledging, yeah, we're probably gonna fire his butt. Like, like earlier <laughs> this season when he like was basically like, yeah, Waldron and Hurt, man. Like we did the, the light burials of both of them. Yeah, <laughs> the def- the defense. I don't. I don't know what they. The offense, I think, if they ran it back with this this coaching staff um, and Geno, and then they just invested in offensive line in the offseason, I'd probably be like feeling good about it. It was a close to top ten offense. You'd be it feeling would, good, but would you be feeling great? No, I would love to fire Waldron for someone who's more creative. But like, if That's, yeah, if I'm stuck with it, like if I'm stuck with Waldron, I don't think it's the end of the world. If Pete is like in a mode where he's like, I need to make one, I, I need to make one big change to shake things up. I want it to be on the defensive side of the football. The problem is, is that Pete Carroll's a defensive coach who does not take control of this defense. We've now run through a bunch of coordinators in a row that are all internal hires. Ken or uh, it was Chris Richard to Ken Norton to Clint Hurt. Right? These are all guys that were Pete guys. They were came through our system. They came through our team. We fired all of them. None of them have been able to fix the defense. It's time to look elsewhere and for and Pete none to of take them have it. been able to do well elsewhere. If we right. are if we are going to fix the defense, Pete needs to look outside of his bubble and like really let let that person cook. He needs to try to let someone else come in. I think the way he was going to try to do it was Sean Desai, but I don't think there was enough time there. Right? Like we we tried to kind of switch into some more Sean Desai style concepts last year, and obviously Desai flamed out spectacularly with the Eagles this year. So maybe that wouldn't have worked either. <laughs> but, but but he was but, trying to bring in some of those Fangio concepts, yeah. He was trying to bring someone from outside the bubble in to kind of, you know, doctor up the defense and do something different. And I do think that's he had the right idea there, even if Desai was not the right guy. And he's not the only person who was high on Desai. That guy was a very popular, wanted, desired coordinator all around the league. So it's not, you know, just him being like, oh, I think we need to find like one of these ex-player types. We need to find one of these guys. That, who's the next Mike Vrabel? Who's the next D'Amico Ryans? That's the kind of thing we need to do here is we need to find who's the next one of those guys who can coach our defense. Hey, you know who, you know, who's available? Mike Vrabel. Uh, <laughs> I wish. He, I Mike, wish. Mike Vrabel is going to be the head coach of the Patriots. You could just book that one. I know. That's, <laughs> just, just go ahead and just, file, file that now. Yeah. Write that in there. Can they, and they're going to give him is, a brand. Is Wade Phillips available? 
Oh my gosh, he's got to be. He's got to be like a hundred years old. How old do you think Wade Phillips is right now? He's ninety four. If he's still uh, alive, he's like seventy eight or something. Like, do you know who is available though, Eric? We said talking about Wade Phillips, the guy who replaced him and then took the Rams to the defense to the Super Bowl, which is Brandon Staley. And that's the kind of thing they think they should do. They should go to Staley and be like, "Hey, we'll back up the money." Just panned out a great, a great idea. That's amazing. I'll (laughs) take it. The because Brandon Staley, you know, he yes. got a lot of flack, but he doesn't get to decide if we go for it on fourth downs. Uh, <laughs> so he can't ruin everything <laughs> for the Seahawks like he did. Wait, for is, the he gonna, is he gonna is he gonna throw terrible flags for no reason? No, I think no, nope, okay. nope, not allowed to wear them. I think Brandon Staley can come in and do is like make a, build a strong defense uh, around some of our players. Like, uh, we have we do have good players on this defense. Devin Witherspoon is a perennial pro bowler, I'm pretty confident. Tariq Woolen is still someone you can mold into a very good cornerback. I know we saw a lot of ups and downs this year, and we ended on an extreme high with him running over and, you know, uh, sticking his hand down his pants towards the Arizona crowd. So, A+. plus. I tried so hard to pause that and uh, take a picture for the Discord, but my TV didn't cooperate. That was Marshawn S. Did that count as a fumble recover? Because he definitely got his hands on balls on the field. <laughs> All right, so let's let's go to our overall season view, even though we've kind of already been scratching the surface on that. Let's start with the schedule. This was an extremely hard schedule. Uh, top 10 difficulty schedule. Every team that beat us was ahead of us in DVOA. So we went into the season at negative 0.1, which I think is like perfect. If it so was a good, bad have, team? The only thing that could have been more perfect is 0.0. That would have been perfect because <laughs> it was the most mid team I've ever watched. So average, so frustrating. Um, Except the Rams. The Rams were right below us, but only because their kicking has been a disaster. Their special teams DVOA is 32nd and it's like negative 10 because they're oh. because they've had because they've had such a disaster in the kicking game. If you take that out, they're like way better than us. Well, so, and negative 10 is really bad. To give comparison, do you have the uh, DVOA in front of you? Um, I, can, I can open it up because like, yeah, like second or third worst is going to be like negative four or something let's, like let's, negative 10 is bad. OK, let's see. Special teams DVOA. So uh, they they're negative nine point two. The second worst is negative three point two. There you go. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what I mean. Like there and then and then, the, and then the best is positive four point two. Which is the Eagles? So yeah, it's it's impressively they are bad a statistical outlier. Yeah, so I wouldn't like say the Rams are better than us, even though DVOA because their kicking's been a disaster. But it's they went through they switched kickers and stuff, and I'm sure it's it's fine now. So yeah, we were impressively it's mediocre, finishing the season 16th in DVOA, negative 0.1. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all the teams that beat us were better than us. Are we? How did the uh, well, the Seahawks are going to, are they going to beat a good team next year or are we just like the good, bad team? How about that? I'm going to ask it that way. Are we, are we going to beat a good team next year or are we just going to beat bad teams? Maybe luck sack into one decent team victory and that's it. If, uh, you know, we're just coming off the Christmas break. If I can, uh, give you, uh, the ghost of Christmas present, if these things remain unchanged, <laughs> then you're looking at the good, bad team because, Let's face it, we bring in a few bodies that replace the bodies that we're replacing that basically do the same thing. Hey, you know what? I feel like Shane, I didn't let Shane off the leash enough. So this year I'm going to let him off the leash like that. All this, you know, Pete talk hyperbole. Um, I I just feel like that is going to make us the good, bad team. Now, if you actually bring in a defensive coordinator 
someone who can actually, I don't know, teach our players to tackle, um, oh secondary gosh. to cover, um, have have everyone in the right. Uh, we actually had we actually ended up with a pretty field. with a pretty good sack number. We were like tenth in yeah. sacks. We, remember we just we're so getting consistent pressure. I mean, yeah, I and- it was one of my bold predictions was that we would have a lot more sacks than people thought. It was I had I had a couple of bold predictions that were really good, and then one that was really bad. A couple that were but, bad because of Gino. But it also Gino- <laughs> my Gino predictions were off. The sack numbers, it's it kind of like my first reaction was like, yeah, and see how it didn't make a difference that we had more sacks. But then I was like, well, wait a second. Maybe that kept us out of like, you know, six win territory. Right. That's what, so, that's what that's stopped scary. us from being the worst defense. Yeah. In the and league. that sucks. So it's, there's a lot of work to do on the defensive side. I'm a lot less worried about that than the offense. Again, I don't see how, I don't see how we fix the offensive line because if there was a solve for that, every team would do this. So let's talk about the offensive line. Cause it's one of the things I wanted to talk about in regards to the offense. It's, so over the last couple of years, we've heard um, in, in terms of trenches players, we've heard John Schneider say after the draft that there were a lot of upsets in that area, which is his way of saying there are guys we really wanted, but we thought we could get them later in the draft. Uh, what's, he calls that upsets when he's talking about the draft. And so at this point, do you think the Seahawks have learned their lesson and they're going to make sure that they kind of pick up, maybe they might pick a guy 10 spots, 15 spots higher than they than they uh, expect, or they might move those guys up their board a little bit just to make sure that they get some of those guys, because it is at the point where it's like, we can see where this team is being defeated, right? This team is being defeated in the trenches on offense. On both sides. And in the trenches. Well, I think team speed matters a lot on defense too, but yes. I think I would say front seven is the accurate way to say it on defense. I think our defensive line rotation is too thin. We're getting, we're asking way too many snaps out of veteran down linemen. And I think our linebackers, you know, uh, Jaron Reed, 70 snaps, together, you're not into that? Two good legs. You're not into the that's Jaron a, Reed? That, that's a lot. Jaron Reed, Jaron Reed, he, he did say, he said, we will not finish 30th or 29th in run defense again. And he was right. We finished 30th. So the <laughs> <laughs> who's 29th? Who's 29th? Someone else, not us. <laughs> we're gaining on you, Chicago. We're, we're, thir- um, we're 30th. Hey, Chicago's defense, the, the Chicago's defense low-key kind of good at the end of the season, too. Is that it's the weird. equivalent of Jeff Fisher saying they won't do any more 7-9 and nine bullshit and they finish 6-10 and 10 or whatever it was? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeremy, uh, got, a little, got a little Jeff Fisher in him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so offensive line. Like Kevin, do you think that in the draft they might they might just push a couple, push the guys they really like up the board a little bit to try to get one? This is a very good – I'm I've already started draft prep. I started a couple. It's a weeks very ago. good. I started. Class. I started like a month ago. Very good offensive tackle class. We could find the Abe Lucas replacement. I know it sucks. It sucks that Abe seems like we found you know a hundred dollar bill in our pocket after we. So this actually happened to me once. I was I used I had my snowboarding coat. I I had gone up the year before. I hadn't looked at it and I, didn't, I actually didn't go snowboarding for a whole year. So it's been like two years since I had gone up. I get my snowboarding coat out. I put my hand in my pocket. There's something in my pocket. It was a hundred dollar bill. I was like, "Sweet, dude, that's like a hundred dollars." We had found a hundred dollars in our pocket with that Abe Lucas pick. He was a you know starting a third caliber round starting right left tackle or right tackle. That's good. And he was he was good. He was a above average right tackle in the third round. But it just seems like the degenerative knee issues now are going to probably make it so you know he's a, he's unreliable at at best. He's unreliable. We need to find a tackle. No. In addition to finding guards, it's a good trenches draft. Do they invest high here? Do do we spend the fifteenth pick on a on offensive lineman, um, even if maybe the 
value isn't perfect because that's what got us in the LJ Collier situation. Like I just, exactly. I just wonder like, that's what, what I dread. What do you, what do you do? What do you do when I'm doing my, when I'm doing my mock drafts right now, I'm like, I see the guys who are available and I'm like, dang, if Jared verse is available at 15, how do you not pick that guy? Even though edge edge is not like the perfect fit for what we need, but he's like the best guy. Okay. Well, let's so really just... take a look. Okay. Oh, no, real quick. You just said LJ Collier and that came to mind. And then you mentioned your edge that you want. And that's the thing is I, again, and Kevin will really be able to talk about the names and everything, but it's kind of like what we value when, and it's not always what we think it's going to be. So like we just got, we picked up Leonard Williams halfway through the season. Awesome job. Are we going to start paying attention to the middle of the defensive line? Or are we just going to say like, Hey man, we, we addressed it. Leonard Williams is here. And I With think the that's 15th a- pick, I think that's a hard spot to go after that because I think like Jerzon Newton uh, oh, is like the guy that's worth a top 20 pick. But when there's only like one guy in that, like that's yes. where that ends up breaking out. Because what I don't want to do is I don't want to reach for that, like kind of run stopping. Give you don't want to get in the past. You don't don't take- I don't want to I don't want to spend early draft picks on that position per se. I'm just saying that John Schneider doesn't really value on let's just face it, I don't think he really values the interior defensive line. Um so at that point he'll say like okay edge might look good. Um he might go crazy and be like, you know, we need a replacement for Bobby. And he might reach for a linebacker. This is the sort of thing where you just you know kind of like they're always thinking like a step adjacent of what everyone else is thinking. I and will say very this. rarely is it is it about about the li- about the linebacker thing, Eric? You do not have to be afraid of them reaching for a linebacker in the first round. If they do that, we can cancel the podcast forever. Okay, because yeah, there is bad, huh? there is not a linebacker in this draft that I would pick in our the top second 50. third round pick <laughs> is the first time I'm really looking at linebacker. If we if we traded down and got a second round pick, I still probably wouldn't want to take a linebacker. No, <laughs> like that's where linebackers are in this draft. It is. It is grim. And I actually put this in my show notes. I said, like, one of the things we need is a fast and strong linebacker. And, like, does that mean we re-sign Jordan Brooks? I don't know. It depends on the contract. But, like, you don't want to overinvest in this position. We've seen it in the past. We've overinvested in these non-premier positions. What we need to do is find the next Ivan Pace Jr., which is – it sucks because Ivan Pace Jr. was an undrafted free agent who me and Kevin talked about on this podcast uh, as a guy <laughs> that we thought they should take in, like, the fifth to seventh round. As, like, a guy we like, hey, he, he knows how to play football. He's good. He's a good football player. They should just draft him. And then he goes out, gets 100-plus tackles, wins Rookie of the Month in the last month of the season, and it's like, yeah, you don't have to throw high-cost resources at linebackers to find guys who can really play in this league. Like, guys can get 100 tackles in their rookie year just coming out of Cincinnati <laughs> and play, and not even playing yeah. the whole season. He didn't even play, like, the whole season. He missed games. So it's like, throw low-cost resources at linebacker. Just get, like, three or four guys that you think can really play football. And not... Not the kind of guys we got this year where they went out and they got just these crazy athletes. And then they're like, oh, maybe we'll find a diamond in the rough that way. Go get guys who can just play football, like guys who know the position, who can play, because we don't need we don't need uh, the next the next. uh, I don't know who's the guy. Fred. We don't need the next Fred Warner right now. We just need guys who can go out there and not and not like and just run with guys a little bit and like play prime Corey Littleton. Like, yeah, we, you know, we we just like a exactly. guy who can play ball, guy who can play football. Like that's just the the way you can do it. And 
yeah, this this offensive line draft, like there's a lot of tackles in this draft. This this draft is the most tackle heavy draft I've ever seen. We can go get those. Yeah, there's this, like there's two or three guys that'll be available right around 15 that I think are really reasonable fits at uh, right tackle, or if Abe's healthy, could probably kick into right guard and be able to play quality snaps yeah. there. There's a couple of those guys kind of on that round. That's one, the thing round you do is like border. if you got a little if you got a bunch of little hammers next to Troy Fatanu's name, like just draft him. <laughs> I don't care because he's good and he can play guard and tackle. So like he's a good fit with Abe. If he's like Abe's healthy, you kick him inside. If he's not, you keep him outside. Like I don't care. Just pick the tackle that you have the most little hammers by because it really worked out this year. Just drafting the guys that we thought had a lot of hammer, had a lot of hammers, guys who good. Those guys are the good players. Those are not guys I'm worried about. I'm not worried about Devin Witherspoon. I'm not worried about Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm not worried about Derek Hall, even though like he was relatively quiet this Derek season. Derek Hall had I, a middling season, but he like you see all the pieces of a capable he's football on, player. He's, he's on the he's on the track like that we want him to be on. He's the next boy Amafe, which he is can play. Yeah, great. Uh, I I'm not worried about Zach Charbonnet. Like I'm not worried about Olu Olu. I'm not, those guys are all fine. Anthony Bradford he got well, pushed in way too early, but he's fine as well. He has and that's the what I want to say is potential. Like I feel like Cam Young. Anthony Bradford, Cam Young, he's fine. Olu Olu, those are three picks that I think we should be making every year. Tubagoo in the third round to go sit in the middle of our D line, and just a couple of I have played a thousand snaps on the offensive line, offensive lineman that you, like. Uh, as who's you, the Eric, guy we got as out Eric of, always uh, likes to say, you need that refrigerator, you need that washing yeah, machine, yeah. you need that right washing machine. Absolutely, <laughs> you need and, him uh, always. Who's the guy who signed with Tennessee that we got out of Ohio State? Um, he played tackle and a little bit of guard. I can't remember his name. Uh, we had him up until uh, like two seasons. Are you talking ago. about Jordan Roos? No, please, he, guy please who actually don't. played. Oh, um, that's definitely not Jordan Roos. That's then. definitely no, he not looked, Jordan Roos. He looked cool though. Jordan Roos always had like really <laughs> cool pregame like outfits, and he yeah. had he looked like a character from Game of Thrones. Like he was pretty cool. Um, I don't. Know. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can get it in a minute, but I'm not that worried about it. I uh, the the point of it being that. Um, like, we need guys who have played a lot of snaps. Like, uh, the guy that you and I both like, uh, BB, out of uh, Kansas State. Like, sure, yeah. he's one of those guys where his floor is so high that if he just ends up being our swing guard that plays a lot of quality snaps, that's worth a fourth-round pick. You know? Like, like those are the kinds of guys we need to be hunting out because it gives us that stable floor on the trenches. Pick, pick and in Christian the trenches, Ma- you just Chris- need guys that can play football. Pick Christian Mahogany. He just plays a lot for Boston College. And when he's off the field, their offensive line is much worse. So he's got to be doing something. <laughs> like, like, he didn't play in 2022. And Boston College's offensive line was a disaster. He comes back Jones. in 2023, and they're they're fine. So, yeah. Like, just pick some guys who can play football. I don't even care. Jamarco like, Jones is who I was thinking of. Yeah, picking up a Jamarco Jones every year is not a bad thing. Like, hey, no. this guy could just give you snaps. And then every once in a while, that guy ends up being, you know, an Evan Brown, who's just like a quality starter for a while. Or like, and so if we have the same offensive line offseason we did this offseason, where we get a quality guy in free agency like an Evan Brown that could just give you a really solid average to above average play at one position, and we draft two capable guys, like... Those are the kinds of things we should be doing over and over again, and, because you got to keep the floor of your offensive line high. And On the defensive line, p- it's the same story. Unless we're picking at fifteen, and everyone has talked themselves out of Jaden Daniels or Drake May or Caleb Williams, uh, yeah, don't pick a quarterback. Like I'm just saying, don't pick one. Just if you're going to do that, 
just take like a really high upside dart at like a Jordan Travis or a Cam Ward or a Joe Milton. Put that guy behind Geno and hope that he turns into a dude. Because that kind of stuff is, I think, an okay way to do it. You might find the next Jake Browning, who guy who, you know, I watched him in college and thought, eh, he's not good. <laughs> But he developed he over time in the NFL. He developed over time in the NFL, and now we see him. He is a useful NFL player. He is he's like the 23rd best quarterback in the league. He has value. Find the next guy like that, guy you can take at the end of the draft, guy you can just bring in and develop behind Geno because we have two more years of Geno at, I think, a pretty reasonable price that we can use to kind of uh, throw those high upside darts at quarterbacks. I'm not saying don't draft a quarterback at all. I'm saying don't draft a quarterback – with any of our first three picks. Unless um, we think he's the dude and then take him with your first one. Unless he's absolutely Otherwise, him. build the system around it. Yeah. Because if we end up taking, you know, Jordan Travis and he develops for a couple of seasons and in those couple of seasons, we're spending uh, two or three or four top 100 picks on the uh, front seven on defense and on improving the offensive line, then you can have somebody who's, basically just Gino again, step in and the team's going to be really good because you can like have someone Gino's... who's basically drew lock and the team will be really good. Well, no, so... cause you have to know where the ball's going when you throw it. Oh, I, I mean, look, at, there's some, there's some guys winning football games right now who I'm not sure that <laughs> your Josh uh, Allen notes have been, have been added. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, yes, it. Uh, I don't know if he knows where the ball's going exactly. In all, so. in all fairness, that's not a lack of arm accuracy. That's because he always has double vision from concussions because he runs into the defense head first. Yeah, well. That's an know. unsustainable way of play. Unsustainable. All right. So, uh, okay. So we've talked a little bit about the defense. Waldron. Waldron. Okay, let's do it uh, gladiator style. Thumbs up or thumbs down. I'm gonna. I'm going to say thumbs up. I'm, I'm keeping him. Eric, what are you going to do? I need to see. Wait, you're going to do this? You're going to do one? He did a thumbs medium. He's giving me the. I'm. Uh, oh, thumbs, thumbs down. down. Thumbs right, down, man. No he's way. Execu- he's executing Waldron. Do yeah. I have to be the obligatory guy that says thumbs down was actually the keep? Or... Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, historical no. accuracy. Deal Boom. with it. <laughs> Nerd. Okay. Uh, Kevin, uh, Waldron, Waldron, thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, hey, channel your inner Dave Batista. The thing that's terrible about it is if I'm going to do my inner Dave Batista, I have to have tiny glasses. Um, the I thing that's terrible alone. about it is uh, you're basically going like, how much do you value the 15th best offensive coordinator? And it's like, man, I don't know. Like, I feel like we kind of have to clean house under him to an extent if we keep him. Because I don't think the messaging really worked. But if we clear house underneath them, I don't really know if that improves anything. So um, I'm inclined to say get rid of them, but I don't hate it if we keep them. Okay, so we're going two thumbs down, one thumb up. Uh, Gino, thumb up or thumbs down. We obviously have the out that lets us get rid of Gino if we want to. Uh, and only to him, but this is a universal thumbs up. I can see thumbs, thumbs up. <laughs> Gino, yeah, you know. There's no, there's nothing... There's nothing terrible about Gino, and okay. he's he's not like the guy that's going to bring us a championship, but he's like if a you can plus get the t- bridge guy. If you can keep the t- get the team around him, but right, he's supposed to be shepherding us through the rebuild and keeping us competitive, and he is yeah. doing exactly that. He is yeah. shepherding us through the rebuild and keeping us competitive, and I respect the hell out of it. Uh, okay, let's go to the defense. 
Uh, Clint Hurt. In or out? Out. Thumbs down. I feel like it's got to be. It's got to be a thumbs down for me. Jamal Adams. Out. I and the big thing is on on Kurt asked me out to me because I feel like that was where the team was most divided. I don't feel like the right hand knew what the left hand was doing on defense all year, and it was painful. Uh, Jamal Adams. Wait. Jamal Adams. <laughs> Eric, you could. That was the most aggressive thumbs down I've ever seen in my life. Well, well, I mean, Kevin had double more thumbs hands. up. Yeah, so I can give him two more thumbs down. Kevin had the uh, the double thumbs up for Gino, and I kind of felt like, yeah, I, I'm with Kevin. There's two thumbs up there. So I just wanted to be very clear on how I feel. Like <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. So, so you're so you're the you're the Gene Siskel to Ro- to Kevin's Roger Ebert you know, right there. Looking looking back, like man, Gene Eric, Siskel. you don't have any pictures of your wife yes, on social that's... media, do you? <laughs> uh, this is true. This is true. Um, hey, let's be honest though. He had a great attitude. And of all the guys with all the attitudes, Jamal Adams had the most greatest attitude. The that biggest. Was, that was little. That was little Pete ism was, for you. Was he on the sideline for the last game? I I couldn't. I thought I saw him once, but I don't know. Uh, I don't. It's weird. Got a little Jamal, attitude, no problem. Needs some the Jamal Adams situation we'll is that just quick, weird. In a hurry. The whole thing is weird. The way it ended is. If this is the end, it ended weird. Just like yep. the whole thing. Yep. The whole rest. It's of kind it. of the most fitting end. If it is. Um, okay, uh, I've already talked about how the lack of speed on defense bothers me. The defense obviously had significant injuries, too, that it had to deal with all season. Same with the offensive line. Just frustrating. All right, Pete Carroll, in or out? Eric? You know what? My opinion doesn't matter because he's going to be here next year. So I'm just going to go ahead and just give you one of these. Right I, I'm in because of the same reason. <laughs> like I have yeah. to be. It's not it's, like he's, it's not like he's going anywhere. So I just, that's I just not a thumbs up. That is the sideways thumb. That is the sideways thumb. I'm because in because I do anywhere. feel like we are in the middle of a rebuild. And I feel like bringing another coach in, in the middle of this rebuild, uh, kind of makes it hard for that coach to be set up for success. One thing that's hard for me about this particular situation is that like, I think this team needs to make some tough moves this offseason, like cutting Jamal Adams, for example, or like to which moves that are like maybe going to require a, a little time to see fruit. And like Pete needs to be real gutsy if he's going to make those moves. I will respect the hell out of Pete Carroll if he makes those moves, even if like I don't agree with, you know, like his decision to go for it or not on fourth downs or or stuff like that, like things that annoy me about Pete, his terrible challenges because he's he said he does he does it because he's competing whatever that means. Oh. <laughs> so, so like I like all that goofy stuff. Like I love Pete Carroll. I, I, I respect think you, it. I think you know what that means. <laughs> what does it mean? I, I had to challenge that play because I was competing. What? what? Well, I mean, he's I, competing you, for most lost challenges in a season. Duh. Is that like the kid who doesn't know the answer, but just wants to look like he's thinking hard? Cause that's what it comes across as. I do think Pete Carroll is at a minimum here until Jody Allen in 2025. Everyone seems to suspect that she's going to sell the team in 2025. Yeah. I think Pete, Pete Carroll goes to that point, which is also the end of his contract. And then the new owner will make a decision on who the next like kind of leadership group for this team will be. Um, and we can all just pray that it's not Jeff Bezos. So, okay. <laughs> Anything else there? No. Uh, the no. other third of it is uh, Pete and John have shown that they can build a roster. Yeah. And so I, part of the thing that makes me more comfortable giving them leeway. And we've had back-to-back is, solid drafts. Any way you yeah. slice it. Like they've had back-to-back, like pretty solid drafts. There are now pieces on this team that are 
you know, good NFL pieces and it's because of their, their drafting the last two years. And some good free agent signings, you know, yeah. like bringing Reed back was good. Nuosu was a great pickup. Yeah, uh, Evan was Brown was very one. serviceable. Like, yeah. like I would say overall this, like the, this last, oh, like uh, these last Love two too. off seasons. Yeah. Julian Love. Uh, these last two off seasons are a far cry from, from, uh, you know, assigning everyone who failed. My head, man. I, had to wa- I was getting so mad at red zone because like I'm watching red zone <laughs> and I want to know what's going on in the, in the bears Packers game. You know, I've red zone on one TV and I have the Seahawks game on my, on my other TV. And I'm like, show me bears Packers on red zone so that I, but I want to like know what's going on. So I'm keeping a red zone, but they kept showing 49ers Rams. It's like this game has, is all backups and has no playoff indications. Why are we showing this after Puka Nakua broke the record? They should have never showed that game again. <laughs> like it's like, like, there's no reason to come back to this game. It's like, it's ridiculous. My thing is uh, basically Evan Brown is as far away from the Luke Jokel signing as you can get. And that's a really good sign to me. Like it, it's kind of we have an inverted bell curve, and I want to see where it tops on uh, PCJS off seasons. It bottomed out with Luke Jokel, and now we're looking you know, somewhere between Luke Jokel, LJ Collier, and D. Eskridge. We bottomed out. I'm looking for where where the top is on the other side of the bell curve. Yeah. All right, uh, you so. guys, you guys, uh, ready to head to the uh, the money zone? Yeah, there, there are many ways to support the CX Nest podcast. The best way to do so. Patreon.com slash CX Nest for as little as $1.24 a month. Uh, join the Discord. Come hang out with us. Uh, spoiler alert. It's going to be the only way to hear for to us for a couple weeks. We're going to take a couple weeks off. We're going to come back in the week between the Super Bowl and the, the after the Senior Bowl, but before the Super Bowl. So we're going to talk about what happened at the Senior Bowl, give our feelings about the playoffs, probably mostly discussed. I, I do you guys have a rooting interest in this year's Super Bowl? Uh, Are this year's playoffs? I don't. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what the Lions do. Let's go Lions. I I let's just go. Want, uh, let's go Browns. As soon as the 49ers lose, like, no, I'm not, not sure let's I, go Browns. Never no, let's go Browns. No. Hey hey, that Deshaun franchise Watson deserves... is out. Deshaun Watson is out, and I the mean, franchise still did that. They still did that though. Yeah, but the fans, but the fans didn't. They don't deserve playoff Flacco. <laughs> oh, Flacco's been so Flacco's been so great though. Flacco's lo- fun to watch, and I, the I do love that. Like that, people, people when last week he's sitting on the sidelines, and it's like, hey, he doesn't seem phased at all. It's like, yeah, he had to practice against Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Of course, he's not. Of course, he's not phased <laughs> by this. Come on, man. This guy's this guy's a legend. Uh, uh, living a living legend. Yeah, and then they threw out Jeff Driscoll last week. See what? How is Jeff Driscoll still in the NFL? Must be a good I hang. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Yes, that will be my answer for every backup quarterback question. Um. Okay. So anyway, I it has been an enjoyable season. Enjoyable day ride three this quarterback. Season. Which one are we drafting? I don't know who's the best hang. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well. Anyway, I don't even know. I don't even know where to go from here. All right, the it's it's been it has been a lot of fun though. It has been a lot of fun this year. Uh, we'll be in the Discord. We're gonna take a couple weeks off, like I said. And uh, thank you to those who support the show. Do it all for the Tucci, Emmanuel, and uh, Andy, Brett, Cooper, Evan, Flocktimus, Gavin, James, Joe, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm, Ryan, Samuel, Terrence, Timothy, Tom, Warwolf, Astro, Blake, Bob, Carl, Casey, Cracksnacker, Four Twenty, Daniel, David, Feet Me on Rye, Foles, Jay, Luke, Michelle, Mike, Mike. Poops, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, and Chip. All right. 
we thought it'd be fun this week to give you guys a few movies to watch that will help you through hard times. These are movies that are specifically um, uh, geared up to uh, to help you through a difficult time. This was a difficult Seahawks season, not the most fun. Um, I could tell by people that canceled their Patreon. So we had several cancellation pa- Patreon cancellations, which lets me, which always happens when something bad happens to the Seahawks. Uh, I think this the Russell trade, we had uh, quite a few Patreon cancellations, uh, and then of course right here, the end of the season. I think people were like, you know what, I am done for a little bit with the Seahawks. I'm <laughs> the not going to interact times, with the. Baby, yeah. I'm not going to interact with the Seahawks for a little bit. So you know what, fair completely fair so okay um movies that that uh, help you through hard times i'm gonna start i'm gonna give you guys a movie that i think like captures like a like a like there's like a feeling uh a feeling of like um you know how difficult it can be to 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 get through situations and that is the world's end Hmm. um i think of the cornetto trilogy this movie is actually by far the most emotionally deep uh, the character of Gary King, uh, the immature, uh, doesn't want to grow up guy who really just wants to regain his like youthful glory. And then you've got all these characters who are just like tired of him, <laughs> but they learn, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, see the humanity and the 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 good in each other and uh, kind of band together. I think uh, I think this movie, this movie rules. I think it's underrated. The first time I watched it. So, okay, I'm going to say this. The first time I watched it, I was like, oh, that movie was just okay. But I watched it as part of a Cornetto trilogy marathon that ended wow. with The World's End the day before it came out. So it was like a, it was like a it special. it takes such a hard left at the There's... end, like in that movie too. Well, another thing too is like I was so worn out by the time that that movie started because I hadn't been in the theater for so long. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. So I, re- I rewatched it you know, like maybe five years ago or so. And I was like, this is the greatest. It's even, be- it's way better than I remember. And then I rewatched it this year. And it's just, this movie just has, it captures like a real, like emotional beat for me that I think Silly is thing. really interesting. And um, yeah, um, that's my, that's my pick. All right. Um, who wants to go next? I'm good. Go ahead, Kevin. You go for it. Okay. I got a good playoff because one of mine is hot fuzz. Another part of the Cornetto trilogy. Um, I like this because it blends a lot of genres that I enjoy. Uh, the big thing is with the quick cuts and everything else that they do in uh, uh, in Edgar Wright movies, there's there's no downtime. And so, if I'm feeling drained, if I'm feeling overly tired, um, having a movie that gives me the energy to go through it can kind of be a pick me up that I need. Uh, and there's jokes within jokes. There's kind of a theme of friendship um, and uh, both like uh, Simon Pe- Simon Pegg's character, uh, Nicholas Angel is like a good example of needing that work-life balance that he has none of uh, to start. Uh, Nick Frost is uh, sort of an example of kind of the, the affable, the, the, the lovable idiot and um, kind of that old school straight man, jokey guy uh combo is so throwbacky it's just it's just really fun like it makes me feel better when i watch it 
like how you picked like the same movie as me, basically. <laughs> <laughs> if we're doing this wasn't five, this wasn't like, this wasn't just in, pick but... this wasn't just pick your favorite movie, Kevin. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. You told me the... you told me I was supposed to make fun of your pick, so I'm trying. I'm I'm going for it. You just want... and we're doing <laughs> each of our top five, not the fave five, right? Or am I off? No, we're doing a fave five. Yeah, oh, we're doing five. a fave five. Oh, yeah. I thought we were each doing five movies. <laughs> no, then I'll go something oh, different, so it's not so the long. same shit. <laughs> Uh, you oh, know, this is the kind of. Weakness. I thought you were. I thought you were trying to feed into me, like, make because you told me, like, hey, just make fun of my picks, like you did with Dread. That's what you said in the pre-show. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, all right, here we go. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to try though, because Hot Fuzz is actually a good movie. So okay. Know. So then I'm I don't know if it's like the best movie for this for this particular list because it's just like a good movie. But it was number five. I get it. It was number five on your list of yes. five. This makes a lot more sense now. Everything's coming together for me. <laughs> go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and give me. Okay. Go ahead and give me your. Uh, your 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 pick for the fave five then i'm doing an oft mentioned actually mm, i'm gonna pivot uh i'm gonna do uh, the 30 the 36 chamber of shallon oh yeah there we go Sweet. uh because very, very uh, offbeat pick here too one reason for that is uh it's about somebody kind of facing adversity and overcoming it which mm-hmm. is something i like when uh you know when, when you're experiencing those odd times uh the other thing is that the pacing on this movie is excellent um, it's basically a giant training montage that's interrupted for the occasional fight. Uh, and that's another one of those when I tend to feel down, I tend to feel worn out. And so this is another movie that gives me the energy to get through it. Thoroughly enjoyable experience. I um, said this movie is like 90% training montage. Just so you know, it's delightfully. it's so weird because like, how do you structure a movie like this? That's like 90% training montage, but, but, it, captures so good. The, but it captures the spirit of what we need, which is like, sometimes you got to work super hard to, uh, to overcome the odds. And you know what the Seahawks need to do this off season? They need to work super hard if they're going to get better. So, you know, what? I agree. Compete. Very, very fitting for this, uh, for this. And yeah, he goes and competes against all the schoolmasters. Uh, the the, the uh, yeah that's per- perfect it's perfect for this list uh, all right uh, now I, I didn't make fun of it though dang it uh, uh, <laughs> you can't make fun of this movie it's too good <laughs> it's, it's it's also yeah it was it was hard to make fun of than the other one because it wasn't the other one is easy because it's like exactly the same in my okay <laughs> all right uh, can, Eric what you got uh, put, I, put I, I, I th- kind of thought I'd go mindless here but then I was like no uh, like you guys I like the overcoming things I'm gonna go Django Unchained. Django. Not only is this movie, this movie slaps, uh, this movie has so much variation in it that if I get up and leave it on and come back, it's in a completely different part of the movie. It can feel like a different movie. I like that a lot because sometimes I'll be like, oh, I put this this movie in for this scene or this this time in the movie, but I, I'm not there yet. And I still enjoy it. Um, certainly overcoming odds in that movie. Uh, the violence is fun. It's light for as heavy and as violent as it is. It is. It's so entertaining and funny. Um, plus, there's just a lot of great one-liners. And Leonardo DiCaprio's Calvin Candy is the perfect villain because the perfect villain makes you like him and despise him uh, at the at the turn of a hat. And uh, yeah, that's my pick. All right. Um, and producer Brett loves. Okay, here we go. We got to now. We got to put movies out there for the for the the co movies. All right, I got I got first suggestion: uh, Eternal yep. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. 
just okay. a movie that really excellently deals with like loss and love in an interesting way. I would also uh, like way, to forget this season. Good job. The way, the way we all love the Seahawks and we, you know, <laughs> we deal with the emotion of, of losing and, and all of that. I think that is a, a really uh, pick that we could, um, the fellowship of the ring, uh, because it's a movie that Slash deals with like friendship. <laughs> it's a movie that deals with like friendship and like togetherness and like overcoming adversity, and I think all of those things are uh, themes that you need to tie. This Goodwill Hunting, um, yeah, just uh, just like really like about self belief and uh, believing in yourself and understanding that you can uh, you can do stuff. I think those would all be excellent choices. I'm give uh, a softball for, to Nathan here for a list like this. Go ahead. Uh, overcoming great adversity through the sheer power of sarcastic commentary. Is what this podcast is all about. Interstellar. The Martian. Oh yeah, The Martian's better than Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Martian is all about snide comments as you uh, bitterly psych yourself up to not die, which is kind of like what every Sunday felt like this year. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can dig it. I can dig it. My choices are all about hope and overcoming something with. With the prospect of it getting better. Eric nominating Hope Floats, Shawshank Redemption. Are you guys familiar with the Notebook? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just the first disc of Pearl Harbor. So oh, we had okay. Can I say something about this real quick? We had we had a we had a um, a friend in college who would just like watch the Notebook and cry, uh, like a, like a friend who lived in our dorm. What was her name? I'm not gonna call him out like that. <laughs> no, that's why. That's why I made uh, that joke. Uh, uh, no, my my. My movie is uh, Into the Spider Verse. Oh, it's a good one. Oh, or wait, yeah. is that the first one? Is that the yes, first? Yes, that's the first yes. one. The, the the next the sequels are just like it's partially Into the Spider Verse. Three fourths of the way the, into yeah. the Spider Verse. We're we're so. getting some Planet of the Monkeys vibe. What about, Sha- what about <laughs> Shawshank though? I was that was actually wasn't like a joke. Like what about Shawshank? I like Shawshank, but Shawshank is like you made it. Every single there, not one person hates this movie. I'm gonna retire you forever. You know, I like true. to say, I like to say it's that Carroll fought the good fight that day. How about Rocky? You guys got anything for Rocky? Uh, what about Rocky? Is it which one is where the uh, robot? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, Rocky Four. Why not? <laughs> how about How about the Rocky series? As long as we ended at four, how's that? That's that. Works. Just the whole series. We're just putting the whole series. In. What if you ended at four? <laughs> when when Rocky when Rocky accomplishes world peace, the the movie's over. The series is over. It's done. Because <laughs> you got the robot, you got the war against Drago, you got what about Clever Lang. <laughs> you ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. You got two fights against Apollo. What about Whiplash? You, you know, he overcomes all the abuse from Jay from J.K. Simmons. As oh man, I we, yeah, we gotta do a, sucks. That's we gotta do a movie that. club just on Whiplash because I've watched this movie like more or less three times in the past few months. Really? I got so many thoughts. Because oh, I used to watch The Notebook and Cry. I'm just curious. It's, it's I have so many thoughts about you watching this movie three times in such a short period of time. Like, it's because a good I movie. Did. Don't get me wrong. But, but uh, I'm so just saying, if there's, not, a, if there's a serial killer that would lose, you don't I'm think it's a good movie? List. You so don't think it's, it's a good movie? I've I'd seen it the first time, like, in pieces. He thinks it's good cinema. Watch it. I wanted to sit down and watch it, so I watched it all the way through. And okay. as a person who played drums, I was like, okay, 
Uh, I can tell when he's rushing. I can tell when he's dragging. It really doesn't make a difference here. Whatever. I feel like this movie was written by a, it was written by a guy who played drums, who really just wanted to talk about his time playing drums and then a psycho teacher he never really had. But it's really just a collection. There's there's a few great scenes, and beyond that, it's just kind of like, who's what is the point of this movie? Like so. It's, it's just so far out there. So it is, it is kind of, so it, it, you're right. I know a lot about this movie because I love Damien Chazelle. So, so this is about to turn into the whiplash. Uh, <laughs> sure. Club, Cause I have a lot of, so, so when he was in high school, Damien Chazelle was in like a super competitive band. Okay. And he like had a strong sense of dread about being in this band oh, because, it, movie. because the conductor was like his band. Uh, instructor but he said that the band instructor pushed it further than jk simmons in the movie and was like and was like exceptional was exceptionally known for his like harsh behavior of the band members and so he wrote the film like to he said like he had this great feeling of frustration because he wanted to make la la land that's like his that was like his like his dream script like he wrote it and he was like this is the script that i've always wanted to make this is my my movie but he couldn't get anyone to like take it or like let him make it so he wrote he channeled that frustration he's like what was the most frustrating thing that ever happened to me <laughs> he like thought about his band instructor <laughs> from high school and he's like i'm writing a movie about this or like he was just mad Could so you're kind of so you're kind of right taylor swift boyfriend say. energy in there there's a, there's a good chance that he was just a 15 year old in jazz band and so he was <laughs> full of anxiety and having to get up and show up at 5 15 in the morning and have you jazz, watched jazz band you, does not play around have you watched the short film no that it's ba- that it's he made first watch. the short uh, film I, 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 not because it's not jk simmons which is the only reason i enjoy whiplash i think the short film is like a it captures the holistic experience in a way that you don't even need to watch the home like you said also, like is, you said before what's good about the main character what is name one good thing about miles teller's character i hate miles teller the actor so it's i know like you hate him so it's what's hard good about the comp- character? His character sucks. His character is a complete shitbag. The entire movie, he wants to be great. I feel like that's supposed to be the point, is that he, like, the uh, constant, uh, uh, like, mental abuse of the situation drives him into all of his worst tendencies, which makes him, like, self-actualize as the worst version of himself, which is why I would never watch that movie, like, a second time. Yeah, what's but I guess there's no arc for his character, and I have a problem with him winning at the end. I mean, it's, there's an spoiler. arc as in the beginning. But I would argue that he doesn't win. He gets worse and worse. At the end, he is... No, because he gets, he gets the Simmons. bad guy going. You know, he and he, get and he gets his, like, should. he gets his, like, dad's approval, too. Yeah, like, it's... At the end of the movie. Both I, suck. Yeah, it's just... Congratulations, you're a jerk in a sea are, of jerks. Good are, job. Are, he lost are you, the girl, are you really he, talking trash about Paul Reiser on this podcast right now? <laughs> <laughs> mad about everything this, this is the wrong it's the wrong podcast to talk about about paul riser my favorite. mad about paul riser <laughs> so, okay so our fave five uh we're gonna go with uh not whiplash <laughs> we're gonna go with lord <laughs> lord of the rings fellowship of the ring and like uh that. scent of I'm, a woman i'm pushing on... <laughs> oh, if i had a flamethrower oh wait if i was younger i'd take a 
flamethrower to this place. <laughs> if I had a flamethrower, I would be younger I'd, in this place. I would be younger, and then I'd go get another flamethrower. All right. Seriously, though, uh, I'm, an- I'm pushing the Martian hard on this one. I think it's the right move here. It's fine. Fine, sure, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we're so off base right now. Okay, we Sorry will see you guys. Ears. We will see you guys on February 4th for Eric, for Kevin. Uh, have a great uh, begin- playoffs experience. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>